Good morning. It's a blessing to be with you all here this morning. I'm grateful for this church and having had the opportunity to grow up here. I I remember a lot of memories growing up here as a young child. I remember even before this building was here, uh, some of the early small group meetings that took place in what is now uh, the the high school weight room. I also remember meeting uh, in what is now the country theater. And as the building here was coming together, I have memories of, of being in the old sanctuary, which is now where the Sunday school rooms are at, and my mom and dad and others uh, staining the wooden pews uh, that we sat in. So the upgrade on the padded pews, much superior than those old wooden pews. Um, the missions conferences and just the focus on missions that this church has just through the years, uh, being able to benefit from that. I remember hearing Connie Davis singing, the song, Only One Life So Soon Will Pass, Only What's Done for Christ Will Last. And as a young child, hearing that and, uh, and just the impact of that. So many powerful, just life-altering moments that I'm thankful for right here in this place. And to know that I'm just one of maybe hundreds or even thousands through the years that have been impacted by this ministry right here. So, and and currently, what, what, is being, what is taking place here, just through Pastor Trey and his family, uh, we praise God for Pastor Trey. I understand he is the longest enduring pastor, right, through all the years of this church. So that's a blessing. So I know you all do a great job expressing your gratitude uh, to Pastor Trey and his family for, for, for their ministry here. We're thankful for them. And kids, I might add, too, this sidewalk out, out in front, after a, a little snow and some sleet, it is perfect. If you have the right shoes on, you can start at the door and you can slide all the way down to the driveway. So it's perfect. Now today, I know we want to right away put salt down. And I think when I was a kid, salt hadn't been invented yet. Because it seems like this sidewalk, it was always slick and you could always slide. So good memories. But I am excited to be here today to fill in for Pastor Trey and Shelly while they're away. And to share with you what the Lord has been challenging me with for a dozen or so years. Hearing, hearing the story of King Asa found in Second Chronicles chapter 14. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn to Second Chronicles 14, um, and these verses that we're going to be reading today will be on the screen as well. I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. Second Chronicles 14, verses 2 through 6. And Asa did what was good and right... In the eyes of the Lord, he took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out of all the cities of of Judah, the high places and the incense altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah for the land had rest. He had no war in those years for the Lord gave him peace. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are awesome in this place. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are the eternal Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Lord, you are infinite in your power and authority and yet wonder of wonders. You call those of us who are in relationship with you, your friends. You're personal with us, Father. You extend a love to us that is higher than the heavens. You've revealed yourself to us, Lord, through your precious word. 
So today, Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see during these few minutes that we have together. Open our ears to hear the profound mysteries of your word. Those truths, Lord, that our natural minds cannot understand. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We honor you today, Father. We honor your word. And Lord, today, I hide behind the shadow of the cross as I speak now. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. Communicate and impress on our hearts what it is that you'd, you'd have us here this morning, what you'd say to each of us. We love you and we thank you. In your strong name, amen. So when we heard the gospel and understood it and received it for the first time, usually great zeal follows, right? We were lost in our transgressions and sins. We crossed over from death to life. And like a runner coming out of the starting blocks, we were in full sprint in our new faith. King Asa expressed this kind of wholehearted devotion and zeal for the Lord. And today we're going to talk about King Asa starting well and King Asa even continuing well. But King Asa didn't finish well. Asa ruled approximately 900 years before the birth of Christ. As we know, Israel had been crying out for a king. And God warned them and he explained, like he reminds us today, he's gracious to remind us, that he was sufficient to meet their needs. The nation was unrepentant, and so God did grant their wish. He gave the nation of Israel their first king, King Saul, followed by David, and next Solomon, and then Abijah, and then the son of Abijah, Asa. So by the time Asa takes the throne, many years into this experiment of being led by various kings, Uh, After many years, things were not going all that great. The kingdom is divided with Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Taxes are high. The military draft is in effect. It was common for people to feel like slaves under the king's power. And worst of all, idolatry filled the land. Idol worship was rampant. So onto the stage steps King Asa, full of zeal and devotion to the Lord. Asa begins well. We read in verse 2. It tells us that he did, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. God's measuring stick for Asa was not how he lived in the eyes of the people or the priests. God's measuring stick for Asa was the high standard of the Torah. What God saw in Asa was his respect and his obedience for the law. Asa honored God's word, and this made Asa good and right in God's eyes. It was Solomon and his foreign wives who introduced the nation to many pagan cults and idol worship. Like King Asa, King Solomon started well with a committed heart. The Hebrew phrase is labab shalem, meaning wholeheartedly devoted. Solomon prayed for the people at the temple dedication that they would have wholehearted devotion But later in life, Solomon's wives helped to shift his allegiance away from God. 2 Chronicles 11.4 tells us, As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not Labab Shalem, fully devoted to the Lord his God. Literally, his wives bent Solomon's heart away from God. 
I've been convicted as I as I've prepared for this message, thinking about Labab Shalem, asking the Holy Spirit to reveal every area in my heart that is not wholly, wholeheartedly devoted to Him. Does Jesus have the key to every room in my heart? David knew how difficult Solomon's father. He knew how difficult it was to remain Labab Shalem. And he cried out to God, search me and know me. Try my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. And really what a beautiful prayer for us today to pray that continually, daily. Uh, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. I'm also convicted to, to think about how often I fear man's opinion of me, <clears throat> hoping to do what's good and pleasing in the eyes of others, instead of honoring the Lord above all and obeying his word no matter what the outcome. <clears throat> the enemy will constantly attack your and my wholehearted devotion to the Lord and his word. I heard, I heard at some YFC training years ago when I first came in to the ministry that when we become wholly devoted to the Lord, to his word, to serving him, a target is placed on our chest by the enemy, the devil. The crosshairs of his scope are focused on the target. He wants us stopped. He wants us taken out. He wants our character or our testimony to be compromised. For me, a struggle that I have, a sin that has surfaced, that I'm praying for victory over, is the sin of envy. When I find myself comparing myself to others, or worse, not wanting others to receive credit, for something I hope to be acknowledged for. This happened recently. One of our staff uh, made a great connection with Olivet Nazarene University and a partnership that we've been hoping to have with them in our ministry for many years. And I struggled being excited about this because he initiated the relationship and I didn't. I struggle with pride and envy towards a brother in the Lord. I can say today, obviously I don't want to be envious and I know this sounds ridiculous it sounds childish and I don't want to have these thoughts and I believe the spirit is delivering me from this but the enemy knows my most vulnerable areas and there are many areas in my life where the enemy attacks my devotion to the Lord and to his word he undermines what I know to be true about God's character what I know to be true about his love for me his promises for me, his sovereign plan over my life. So devoted believer here today, do you believe there is a target on you? Do you understand the enemy once you stopped? The greater one lives in you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells within you today and within me. So we don't have to be intimidated. We have the authority over him. We don't have to be afraid. But it does us good to remember that we have an enemy. You can believe King Asa had a target on him. When Asa takes the throne, the idolatry that filled Judah is being torn down, literally ripped out of the kingdom. Repentance is taking place. The people were separating themselves once again to God alone. Judah has experienced 10 years of peace 
And during these years, Asa, knowing that there was a constant threat by the enemies, he seizes the opportunity and he surrounds the cities with walls and towers, gates and bars. The Bible says they built and prospered. Asa had an army, and you can read this. He had an army of over 500,000. I love this description. Mighty men of valor. The assembly hall in Champaign, full of people, is so impressive to me. Asa's army could fill the assembly hall 29 times. The Bible says the Ethiopians, with an army of one million men, almost twice the size, came against Judah. Notice behind, or in your, in your Bibles, Asa's response as we read in chapter 14, verse, verses 10 through 13. And Asa went out to meet him. They drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephatha and Marisha. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you and your name. And in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And then the end of verse 13, until none remained alive, for they were broken before the Lord and his army. One commentator says this, Asa did not give an inspirational speech to his fighting men. He did not rally the generals. He did not redraw his battle plans. Instead, he stopped in the middle of the battlefield stood between the armies and cried out to Yahweh, his God, unquote. So while the armies of Judah were still required to fight a brave battle, it was obvious God would get the glory and the credit for this victory. I can't imagine the scene, one million dead soldiers. Can you imagine? The Bible says none remained alive. One of the coolest qualities of Asa is his humility. Even after this amazing victory, we see in chapter 15 that Asa remains teachable and he doesn't get puffed up. Unlike some of the athletes that we see on TV interviewed or some of the presidential candidates that we've suffered through here. The, there, there was no hint of pride in Asa. We see Asa's response to the prophet Azariah, strong warning to him in chapter 15, verse 2, and this should be on the, on the screen behind. The prophet Azariah's words, he says, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your hands, for your work shall be rewarded. Asa could have said, if you forsake him, he will forsake you. He could be like, what? I mean, have I I forsaken the God of Israel up to this point? You know, Asa, when he said, take courage, Asa could have said, take courage. You know, is there anybody more courageous than me? Uh, When he said, you know, don't let your hands be weak, uh, for your work shall be rewarded. Of course, you know, Asa's hands were not weak. But Asa doesn't have that attitude. He graciously receives this encouragement, this strong warning from Azariah. 
One commentator says this, perhaps Azariah's prophecy is an exhortation meant to discomfort, to keep Asa from falling into a lazy contentment. Asa is hearing a strong warning, forsaking Yahweh will undoubtedly hurl the nation backward in time. And God wants Asa to continue to lead the nation forward. Hmm. A lazy contentment. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I know I have. Asa's response was incredible. He immediately, after hearing these words, he doubled down on ridding the nation of idol worship. Behind me again, you can read in chapter 15. We'll read verses 8 and 16. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. Even Micah, his mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image of Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. So you may be wondering, didn't Asa already do this? Didn't he already rid the nation of idols? Yes. But like the idols in our own lives that we forsake, they can tend to work their way back into our lives. We love Jesus. We love him with all of our heart. But too often we love our idols too. We see how serious Asa is, even confronting his own mom. Wow, think of that. Asa not only removes his mom from her royal position, he also destroys her idol in full view of the people. Can you imagine? So the tide dramatically turns as we enter the final account of Asa's life. Although chapter 16 is disappointing, we should be grateful for the honesty of Scripture. The leaders and even the heroes of our faith were not just caricatures. They were real people with real flaws, just like us, vulnerable at any time to the lies and to the attacks of Satan who desires to kill, steal, and destroy. You can read this on your own for time's sake, but the Bible describes King Basha from the northern kingdom of Israel built a blockade not allowing anyone to come and go out of Judah. And when this happened, Asa kind of freaks out. Basha essentially barricaded Judah, which prevented trade and a sure sign that they would be invaded. Asa does not consult the Lord. Instead, he devises his own plan. He takes the silver and gold that had been dedicated to the Lord and gave it to Ben-Hadad, the pagan king of Syria, so that Ben-Hadad would break his military covenant with King Basha. He bribed Ben-Hadad. Ben-Hadad broke his covenant with Basha, and Basha had to withdraw his military forces. The blockade was torn away, and on a natural level, okay, on a natural level, the plan worked perfectly. Until the prophet Hanani shows up to confront Asa. On the screen, you'll read. The humility and the beauty of, of Asa's attitude towards earlier the prophet Azariah, that contrite spirit, that attitude is gone. 
as we read verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, the king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hands. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. The Bible now reveals a very prideful and angry King Asa. Asa not only throws Hanani, the prophet of God, into prison, he puts him in stocks. The Bible says his anger grew to rage, to where he inflicted cruelties on others as well, probably those who sided with Hanani. And then in verse 12, we see the sad ending of Asa's life. In the 39th year of his reign, the Bible tells us Asa had a disease in his foot that became severe. And this verse will be on the screen. Some scholars believe that it may have been severe gout. But to me, some of the saddest, most sobering words in the Bible. Yet, even in his disease, Asa did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. So Asa, who had a target on him, like every single devoted child of God today, Satan convinced Asa somehow that God was no longer relevant. Asa forgets the God who gave him courage to cleanse Judah of all idolatry. Asa forgets the God who blesses Judah with with a strong army and peace for many years. Asa forgets the God who supernaturally destroys and kills a million-man army. Asa forgets the God who gives him courage to love and confront his own mother. Asa forgets the God who gives him humility to receive the prophet Azariah's warning to him. Dear friends, how in Asa's mind does this foot disease compare with the power and authority of God he was able to witness? King Asa forgets. And we too are so vulnerable ourselves to forget. Let us never underestimate how deceptive our enemy, the devil, is. He wants us to forget all the ways God has been good and faithful to us in our lives. God has been faithful in the past, and he will be faithful today, and he will remain faithful in our futures. I love a quote I recently saw highlighting a promise found in the very familiar 23rd Psalm. It says this, If you happen to see something behind me, don't be alarmed. That's just goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. I love that. Let us never forget God's faithfulness, his mercy, and his goodness in our lives. Asa started well, he continued well, but he didn't finish well. And in closing, what are some of the takeaways? There are many, and I hope you'll take some time to read Second Chronicles 14 to 16. There are many takeaways, but here are just three. First, examine yourselves to see if you are Labab Shalem, if you are wholeheartedly devoted to God. Are there gods, any gods of convenience, gods of pleasure, gods of status, gods of materialism that have wormed their way 
into your life. By the Holy Spirit's help, confess that, repent. Get as violent as you have to to rip it out of your life. You know, the Bible says, um, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And as we go along, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin as we walk in the light. Take seriously the consuming, jealous heart of God and his command that we have no other God before him. And as you do this, this difficult assessment, be reminded, Second Chronicles 16.9, what an awesome promise, that the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Secondly, remain teachable and open to correction um, by the Spirit's help, and we need his help all along the way. Let us not justify our sin. Don't cover up your sin. Don't rationalize your sin away. Admit it to God and accept his forgiveness. If we confess confess our sin, he is faithful, and he is just to forgive us. He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That That today is just wonderful news for us. We have a God who forgives us. Who is the person that God literally sits up and takes notice of? Did you know the Bible tells us? In Isaiah 66, 2, it says, it says, This is the one that I esteem, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Remain humble, remain teachable, and be open always to correction from God's word, from godly influences in your life. And finally, seek God when painful trials come. Trials are here, they're among us, and we are to be thankful for them because painful trials have a way of keeping us at Jesus' feet. Is that true? Painful trials have a way of keeping us at Jesus' feet. Our trials have a way of keeping us dependent upon our Heavenly Father, looking only to Him. So whether today you're experiencing a physical challenge in your body, a relational heartache over someone you love or loved, some type of financial burden, whatever it may be for you, and it's different for all of us, trust the Lord, seek him with all your heart. Maybe you're here today and you've heard this message on finishing well, but you can honestly say you haven't even maybe started the Christian race yet. And that's okay. But today, you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to become a follower of Christ. The Bible describes two roads, the narrow road and the wide road. And all of us, every one of us here, are on one or the other road today. The Bible says that many are on the wide road that leads to death. It says that few are on the narrow road that leads to life. So finishing well starts with being on the narrow road that leads to life. The Bible says we've all sinned, we all fall short, and the penalty for our sin is death. But God loves you, and he created you to be in relationship with him. He demonstrated that love by sending Christ to come and to die. And on the third day, Jesus rose again, so that by believing, we can have life, we can have forgiveness. Our sins can be washed away. So today... Friend, your relationship with Jesus can begin today by placing your trust and total faith in him. There are people here in this church, the elders, there are Sunday school teachers, 
that would love to take time even today to open the Bible and show you how you can enter into this relationship. Don't leave here today without getting right with the Lord. So in closing, again, um, let's remember the lessons, the many lessons of King Asa. And please don't be in a hurry to get out of this place today. If you want to stay, if you want to pray, if you want to grab somebody to pray with you, please take that opportunity. Will you pray with me in closing?